As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to another episode of The Beats. I'm, of course, Nick Barmerner, along with Brennan Quinn. This is a regular-timed episode. Brennan, we were going to do an emergency podcast in the middle of the night if uh, on Tuesday night if uh, certain things had happened. Really throwing that salt in the wound way. over there. Jeez, but, I tell you, Juan Howard and company uh, lose in the uh, Elite Eight and... Rather, I don't know, shocking, surprising, whatever you want to call it, fashion. Uh, not something we saw coming, but in any event, we're here today. I feel like un- unimpressive fas- fashion is, is the word. Weird fashion. It was a weird yeah. day for sure. But uh, It's certainly not the way you want to go out, you know? Yeah. It's one thing if uh, you just play your asses off and some team clips you on a buzzer beater or whatever it might be, right? Right. Uh, this was their clunker. Yep. And, yeah, I mean... Turn the ball over on a quarter of your possessions, miss half your free throws, one player scores in double figures, scored 49 freaking points in a game. It's, like It's, it's always curious to me. Right? Everything that could go wrong. I, I, I texted someone there. I was just like, man, I don't know if any other scenario could have played out that would have been no, that was like it. every possible thing that like Mick Cronin would have been like, if this, 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 and <laughs> this happens, we're good. We're fine. And, and every box got checked for the most part. And uh, yeah, that was, that's a bummer for the boys over there. It's interesting. Like how over the years, there's always these like, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to call them old wives tales, but there's these things about the tournament that people will always say. And a lot of them hold true, right? Like if you have a senior point guard, you're going to make it. If right. uh, if you're a good free throw shooting team, you're going to have a chance. If you want to get to the Final Four, you're going to have to, and you're a good team, you're going to have a clunker somewhere in that first whatever, and you're going to have to survive it. Usually, we see that in the first weekend. I feel like mm-hmm. not in the Elite Eight for Michigan. This was that. This is what that was. This was the like the last time Michigan got to the Final Four. Uh, Eighteen was the Houston game, right? It was the yeah, that was yeah. the clunker. Should, they played like lost. shit. Right. Should have lost. Bailed themselves out at the end and got out of it. This to me was that it's crazy how all those things always sort of 
repeat themselves, but that yeah, was, uh, you know, Mike Smith hits a hits a banger there, right? Nobody's mm-hmm. it's a it's an iconic moment. Nobody's talking about Franz going one for ten. Nobody's talking about the team, you know, just basically being locked in a closet for the whole game. Right. Um, it's just no one remembers that Michigan should have lost to Houston. Everyone remembers Jordan Poole, you know, mm-hmm. and that's just the way these things uh, go. So, yeah, end of the season though. That wraps that. That wraps the, that. There are worse places to end than the sweets than the Elite Eight for Michigan, yeah. and there are uh, worse things that could have happened to Michigan State than you know squeaking into the tournament and losing to a <laughs> eventual Final Four. Eventual team, right? Final Four <laughs> team, of course, right? As you as we all predicted. What was it? They missed they missed a free throw block out there in the, f- the first four and shit. That Michigan was State it. led UCLA by fourteen yeah, in that game. Out. They were up by five with under two minutes to go. It was I mean, over. Microcosm of the year year too. Like just a roller coaster yeah. of what the hell's happening here. But we have questions on all that today as we figured we'd open it up to a mailbag style uh, to recap the basketball season that was. Mostly basketball questions in here. So uh, we I think a few football slipped in. So you'll, uh, you'll have to mm-hmm. put up with that. <laughs> no, I'm pumped. I'm really anyway, I'll start here uh, with the hoops guy. We'll just get right into it because we figure again, yeah, we're going to talk about all this anyway. Um, let's start with Kirk. Uh, good new or uh, good question here with recent news. Um, with Rocket Watts transferring, who's Michigan State's leading scorer next year? Any other players transferring? And if Izzo were to retire today, who would be the top candidates to fill that position? Maybe a little Roy Williams inspired wow. final question there from Kirk. It's a lot there, Kirk. Uh, sorry, but you know. We- Leading score for next year is obviously Imani Bates. <laughs> <laughs> As the Imani Bates insider, you've got the inside track to that one, don't you? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I'd say on paper, when you look at it right now, you would probably, you know, Aaron Henry, let's assume he's not back, right? Um, yeah. I'd say on paper. Paper, the first name you would probably circle is Joey Hauser, followed by, uh, I mean, Max Christie, maybe? Um, yeah. And then the new kid from from Northeastern. Um, you know, if he, it depends on how they want to use him. You know, if, if they decide that they need to use him as as much of a scoring point guard as anything, you know, they, they have the systems in place. We've already seen it, right, for, mm-hmm. for a guy like Tyson Walker to be um, you know, a primary scoring threat. So, you know, he's certainly, I mean, he put up those kinds of numbers at, at Northeastern. So um, a lot of it depends on what translates. And like, this is one of these impossible deals to to project the up transfer in, in college basketball is, you know, I from conversations I've had at Michigan State, he is considered the likely starting point guard, which is not, certainly not, you know. Well, you'd have to be. Unearthing information, but. Um, that that is how they feel about him. That that you know he's the likely day one starter. Um, but is he also like your best player? A lot of eggs in that basket. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like um, we'll see about that. But you know, one of the most interesting stats um, that came across when kind of digging into him is at a ball screen, like his ball screen usage. It was basically a fifty fifty split: shot attempts and passes out of. Um, mm-hmm. so like, he's very much kind of that, yeah, he can do both. He's comfortable doing both. He's, he kind of gives you what you need, but he's had games scoring 26 points, 28 points. Um, so 
Yeah. Well, he could certainly be the option. And like the idea of having, I, I thought the kind of fatal flaw when it came to Joey Hauser last year was that they didn't have a point guard. And right. like, he's a guy who needs to have a true point guard. And people were like, oh, you know, everyone said that he looked so good in Michigan State practices last year. Well, yeah, I mean, a lot of times he was like out there with, you know, Cassius Winston and stuff like that. And, like, you know, like, we're just right. getting wide open threes out of pick and pop spots and stuff like that. And that just never even materialized in any sort of way at, for Michigan State this year. So, you know, Hauser, Hauser's certainly capable of, you know, scoring 15, 16 a game. And I don't think anyone on this roster is scoring 18 a game next year. So it could be kind of leading score by committee. But yeah, that's that, that'd be my best guess there. And if, you know, maybe a dude like Max Christie's just a total stud and, you know, just an absolute bucket and mm-hmm. making making two or three threes a game or who knows, you know what I mean? But yeah. um, uh, that'd be my best guess. And who knows, there could be another entry from the transfer portal into the conversation. I'm not teasing anything. I don't know anything, but let's not act like that's not a possibility. I mean, there are studs. Mm-hmm. There are multiple major players in the transfer portal. That's what I was just going to say. Like, the they've added... You know, a point guard here, obviously, they need a point guard. But we were talking about this before we hit record. The up-transfer point guard, and we just saw what Mike Smith did at Michigan. uh, But I think Mike Smith and um, what was the kid's name at Texas Tech? Mooney, uh, the kid who went in and helped them get to the Final Four that year. Sure. Like, these guys are the extreme examples. These are the extreme success stories, I should say. But uh, there's a lot of guys you don't know about and you don't hear about where this does not work. I mean, mm-hmm. gr- really good, talented, gifted, smart players leaving a smaller school, coming to a bigger program like this, and it just doesn't work. Like for a number of different reasons, because it's number one, you're like a, you're a point guard trying to transfer and completely ner- learn everything brand new to be the quarterback of the team. Number two, sometimes I think guys get overwhelmed because it's a bigger environment, everything else. It's not a guarantee. I, I mean, what do you know about Tyson Walker? And are they going to add more? Because it feels like at this point, if you're putting all your eggs in in the Tyson Walker basket, I assume you think that he is not only going to be the, you know, on the extreme success story side, but you won't need a safety plan. I don't know. Is there another? Is there another? Yeah, uh, I mean, their, their 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 point guard question is 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 a difficult one. Um, <laughs> they're. The notion that that Walker's this guaranteed, you know, go he can play 32 minutes a game and and he answers the questions. Oh, There's no know. guarantee we'll, there. We'll yeah. see about that, man. Right. Like, uh, I'm old enough to remember when Jerron Simmons got to Michigan and was supposed to be the yeah, like right. with a bullet, you know, all league contending point guard who was going to replace Derek Walton no problem and didn't even I don't think he started a game. He couldn't that play. Year. Couldn't get on the could not play. No. Couldn't get on the court. Um, he got there at the end. I mean, he was actually a pretty decent contributor. He gave him a couple minutes. Yeah. He gave him a couple minutes in the. Uh, and it wasn't through lack of effort. He worked his ass off. Everything else. Yeah, else. for it sure. It just it just didn't work right. Yeah. Um. But you know, point guard wise, beyond Walker next year, you know, Foster Lawyer is is still in the picture. Uh, AJ Hogard is still in the picture, and Jade Nakins is entering the picture. Yeah. Now that of course can change. You know, I I don't know. I think Michigan State's going to have more activity going into the portal. I don't know how much is going to be coming out of the portal. I mean, it, it's just ridiculous. It sounds like we're talking about Star Trek. It's insane. But um, get your phases you know. up, folks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, 
Well, the second part of that question was: are, Is there going to be any more in there? I'm not asking. I think name, so. Name names or anything, but like, yeah, you know. I mean, I, yeah, I'm not, I think anyone that listens to this knows that we just don't start saying, you know, ah, this guy might go, this guy might go. I, I, that's not really fair. Um, but, but we knew Rocket Watts was uh, likely. Yes, yes, this was happening. Yes. Yeah, um, I, I think there'll be one guy, two guys. You know, I, yes, mm-hmm. I, I do think there's going to be more activity going out. Um, but the Michigan State's activity in terms of bringing guys in, I mm-hmm. think there's you still you have to fish, man. You gotta just have that line cast at, at all times and and see what's out there. I mean, there are there's legit players all over the place that you know you would just be silly to ignore, and a lot of it is going to be finding the fit, right? Guys who can come in and play for this this style of basketball, play for this style of coaching. Um, you know, like that's one of my questions for, for Tyson Walker watching some synergy. Like there were a couple times, like you could see a lot of frustration in him and blah, 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 blah. And you saw like, this, like saw, saw one where coaches kind of barked at him a little bit and he didn't really respond to that particularly well. And it's like, well, that could be an interesting situation. <laughs> yeah, that might be a problem here. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see, but, um, it could also be a situation where, you know, Mike Smith going back and watching the, the the old film on him, you know, just drilling dudes in the chest wide open and then just watching them like miss a shot by four feet. Yeah. You know, you're just, you know, bubbling up when you're that much better than everyone that you play with, right? Um, we'll see what translates for, for Walker. Um, but I think it's, I don't think that you can just pencil in the productivity when you're going from Northeastern to to Michigan state. It's just, I can't stress enough how, how much of an oddity what Mike Smith did. Yeah. It's the exception. Michigan is. And I mean, you can find all kinds of up transfers that have come to the big 10 and been like, okay, but they were none of them really like Mike Smith is probably the the best up transfer the league has had. Um, Oh yeah. I would, I, mean, I remember certainly like, point guard. Like Jeez, Mark Allstork, I think, like going from like Wright State to Illinois. I might have, I think I have that right that he was at Wright State before he went to Illinois. Was supposed to be this big time scorer, this big time player. Yeah, I don't even know it, that it name. Just, it yeah. just never, never happened. Um, there's, there's a lot of examples. The the Robbins kid at Minnesota was pretty decent mm, as a yeah. the big seven footer, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean at point guard in this league, you know, and he is. Six foot one sixty five. Yeah. Um. So we'll see. But he's he's quick enough. I talked to three CAA coaches who went against him. Um. One guy who like I really know well and and really trust his opinion and and they were all just like oh yeah I mean he was not a he's he's a high major point guard always always has been and um talk about Walker or Smith Walker 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 he's like he I mean he would have just wrecked the league yeah I mean I remember (laughs) talking to an Ivy League coach last year who was just like ah. Yeah, I right. I, I don't see this. this. I don't see this happening. So I was like, okay, I'll believe that. You know, like watching him on film, watching Mike Smith on film, I was just like, every single thing I saw, I was like, well, that's not going to work. That's why that's those coaches. That's why those that's coaches stay work. anonymous, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's probably like, shit, got that wrong. Jesus, good thing I didn't put my name on that one. Yeah. No, I mean, so, it's an interesting journey, though. It's uh, you never know, uh, and he is a, such a unique personality too to fit in with. To fit in with a brand new, that that's like eighty percent of it. Mm-hmm. It's just going into a new locker room and fitting in. Like I yeah. mean, it's such a difficult. 
uh, Chris Burke and I just got done talking about that with um, with the NFL draft stuff with um, all this bullshit people knocking on Justin Fields and blah blah blah. Oh and yeah, he doesn't want that. it and all this. And I'm like, this guy comes from Georgia and has to go play at Ohio State and has to fit in as like superstar quarterback coming here, take all your jobs, everything else, and it goes off without a hitch. That's super difficult. And if yeah. you're the point guard, like, ugh, I mean, it's not easy. It's not not easy to do. So I just we'll see. Yeah, that's a, that's a big we'll see. But I mean, I get it. It's, yeah, it's I mean, also a smart strategy too. So uh, there's the also situation. like the notion of trying to project these things out, projecting a rotation, projecting rosters. Like, listen, April second is the new like February first. Yeah, like like, like yeah. this is it is so it is going to be so drawn out the the settling of rosters that like projecting things right now is I get the I totally understand the conversation this is literally what we do for a living is just mm-hmm. making shit up and to talk about yeah. but um like this yeah you're not going to know until it is total guesswork like we are going to listen to this uh, this conversation right now in June and be like uh, I was going to well, say late that summer was, yeah. that was a big waste of time but <laughs> late summer somewhere yeah because I mean yeah. when's the draft uh deadlines right now is that changed uh, i have no idea that's a great question well, it's always like you know guys always have a lot i'm a golf writer nick two months basically month and a half mm-hmm. something like that so anyway all right, anyway we'll go on here next question looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 us-based live customer service from discover everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime day or night yep you heard that right you can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Oh, wait. What the oh, Izzo? Oh, uh, Izzo. If Izzo were... <laughs> I feel like this is also an annual one. If Izzo were to <laughs> retire today, who would be the top candidates to fill that position? Right, I feel like you have to start Always in-house. a tough question. Yeah. You have to start in-house with Fife and Stevens, right? Um, sure. And I mean, the, the big question here isn't who the um, the next candidate is or the, who the favorite would be. It's who does Tom Izzo throw his weight behind? Yeah, that's that's my question. Uh, yeah, because I I just can't see a situation right now, given everything, unless he like <laughs> wasn't there to you know make the recommendation. But like if Izzo says tomorrow I just I want to retire and spend you know whatever like I would assume he's picking the coach right I mean like, I, would I would think so I would yeah assume, <laughs> I would assume not only is he advising I mean yeah I think he would just pick the coach I feel like Bill Beekman would be like what do you who do you want to be the coach yes like, exactly feel, right like Hollis we used to talk about this all the time when Hollis was there it became a thing where you talk to people and they were like I think Hollis is going to want Izzo to back off and let him hire the coach Mm-hmm. And I think that could be a problem. I think that could be maybe not a problem, but it would be uncomfortable if that happened. In this case, no. I feel like it would be Beekman just being like, "What do you, what do you want to do then?" <laughs> yeah, Bill Beekman would come out and be like, "This is right. my decision. Yeah, this is right. this. This is right. that." And that would be all well and good. And then Tom yeah. Izzo would pick his successor. Yeah. What do you want to do? Yeah. So I guess maybe that's where it starts. Then. Who, yeah. I don't even know if Bill Beekman would go, would go to him and say, "Who do you want?" I probably wouldn't have enough time. I think Izzo would go him. to Bill Beekman and say, "This is who it is." <laughs> he would probably have have the name before he did it. I would think. 
You I think would that? a thousand percent yeah. think so. He would yes. already know. Yeah, yeah. He might already know now. I don't know how much he's thinking about it. Good. Do you have any guesses outside of the in-house? Who it Shit. would be? No, I mean it's too it's too crazy with with all the stuff that works now. People chase other things. I just I don't know. It's always been yes. a hard one with Izzo because the guys that have left the staff often haven't, you know, done great. There are so many. First of all, I don't think this is happening anytime soon. Yeah. And there's so many other, yeah. There's so many things that could happen, but um I feel like he has those guys all have a, a tough spot on their hands. Stevens, Fife. When Izzo oh. Izzo dynamic. That is like an that is a whole fascinating situation that I don't know how it plays out. Um But, you know, does Izzo have one year in him? Does he have four years in him? I don't Some of this stuff gets stirred up because Roy Williams retires yesterday, right? Like, we got Nezzy asked a question about who coaches Carolina right. uh, next year and everything. And, you know, Michigan State is, like, the gr- one of the great... Syracuse would be another one. Maybe mm-hmm. Carolina. I don't know. Probably not Carolina. But, like, is Michigan State basketball Tom Izzo or is it Michigan State basketball? Because I got to tell you, like, we we talked about this with Indiana a couple weeks ago. Did we not? I don't and, really think there's a such... Th- like, there are... Uh, it's, it's the outside, coach. It's the like, coach. If Kentucky makes a bad hire, Kentucky can suck They're for three suck. years, just yeah. like everyone else. <laughs> right. yeah. You know, so it, uh, yeah, I think most people understand that now. I, I I think most more people, I should say, maybe not yeah. most. I think more people are starting to to learn that, right. um, as they've seen so many of these programs that used to be something when a guy was there for twenty something years and was just treated like you never questioned him. He got away with everything. Nobody ever said anything right. bad about him. Twenty five years, there's a statue, there's this, there's that. Like when that person's gone, we've seen so many places just the bottom falls out. And it's right. like tradition and history and all those things are great, but you know, it's the guy in the moment. It's the coach. I just got done reading the story that, you know, we had on the athletic yesterday. Uh, C.J. Moore and somebody else, I'm not sure, they wrote the story about when Roy got the Kansas job, Roy Williams. Great story. Uh, C.J. Moore and C. J. Brendan Moore. Marks. Brendan Marks. Great, great work, yeah. Great story. Uh, I think it was actually an older story that they re, re-upped for the day, but like, that was a great one. And it was a great example of like, you know, the people at Kansas at the time understanding that. Like, this is Kansas basketball, this is a big deal, but like, if we don't get a guy, you know, if we don't totally. get a, a badass coach, we are fucked. Like, we're going to totally. suck. And we're going to suck immediately and we're all getting fired. Like, that's how that's how those things go. So I think that over time, those that that is crystallized more for people. So it's a fascinating these things, conversation. I mean, these things come and go. Mm-hmm. Um, like, seeing Arkansas back this year. Like, back in the, when we were yeah. kids, like, Arkansas was Huge deal. a Huge powerhouse. Deal. UNLV Nolan was Richardson, a yeah. powerhouse. Now, UNLV may have been cheating its balls off, but whatever. Yeah, well, they whatever. were a powerhouse. You know, when I was growing up, man, like, Temple was the biggest show in town. Mm-hmm. Temple basketball, you know, I mean, it is one of the 10 winningest programs. It might be top five. It's definitely top 10. Winningest programs ever. Oh, yeah. Ever. Always Elite Eight. And they haven't been able, they've just been in the woods here for about 10 to 15 years. And Fran Dunphy got him to some tournaments here and, and there, yeah, but like couldn't yeah. win a game. He, just, he, he never won an NCAA tournament game. They've basically been kind of lost since right. since Cheney since the the decline of his the end of his era so and those are places that looked like they were never going away you know what i mean it was just yeah. these kind of just they were always going to care about win it. Yeah. and win and win and win xavier right now 
Like Xavier went like 20 years just replacing coaches, rocking and rolling, winning league championships, always in the tournament, making Sweet 16s, making Elite Eights, bringing Travis Steele. They kept hitting. Yeah. And, you know, Travis Steele's in year three, and it's not working. I don't know what's, right. you know, other than his his assistant getting the Minnesota head job, you know, that's the biggest success of the Travis Steele era right now at Xavier. It's so, funny. <laughs> the small school stuff is where you learn all, you learn that those trends exist. Mm-hmm. And then when you get up here and you cover the bigger programs, you realize it's the same thing. Because when, exactly. when I was covering Western Kentucky, which is one of the yeah. most celebrated mid-major programs ever, right? Uh, they would get so frustrated... You know, when they'd go up and down like that, and it would always be the coach. And they would, like, I was there when uh, Ken McDonald was, he had just been hired. Darren Horn got him to a Sweet 16. He right. leaves. Ken McDonald comes in, and it does not work. And it was like, you know, it just didn't work for a thousand different reasons. But, like, you know, it was one of those things listening to fans of people that were just boggled. They were like, how are we this bad? This is complete insanity. Like, how can he not get this? Jim McDaniels played here in 1967 and we went to a Final Four and beat Kentucky. How can he not get... And it's like, guys, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It's just like... And then as you know, you go on with your career, you see these bigger schools. And I got up here to start covering Michigan with Beeline in the early years. And it was like, yeah, it's the same thing. It's like Michigan has the money. The money gives you the opportunity. It gives you a chance to hire somebody you know, that's in more demand with whatever the market looks like in that exact moment. That's it. That's it. Everything else has to be what you've done on your homework and everything else. In Michigan State, whenever Izzo retires, it'll be whatever. Right. I mean, look, if UCLA can go more than a decade without getting past the Sweet 16, uh, Michigan State certainly can, right? right? So... But I mean, I assume you're on board with me. Like, the, the, the palace intrigue that I have about the... Oh, Izzo, yeah. heir apparent, you know, when you have two natural guys that you could tab with that, uh, both sitting there, and it's just like, you know, would Indiana just do them the favor by hiring Fife and make it a whole lot easier? Would it be a slam dunk that it's one of those two guys? I mean, I mean, Izzo, I would Izzo here... is a dude who is as loyal as they come, man. I don't, I that can't was see him. Question I was going to ask you. Do I can't you... see him not throwing his weight behind one of his guys, right? Probably. But I mean, another question I was going to ask you today as we talked about this was, do you see any staff shuffles with Michigan State right now? As Izzo's trying to get this thing, you know, I mean, he admitted publicly several times that, you know, there's going to be some changes here with the with the roster and they're right. tweaking and changing some things. I don't know. I mean, that staff's been together for a long time. I believe it is the longest. This wasn't a great. This wasn't a great year. They had holes on the roster that had been that we saw. We all saw them. I mean, COVID and everything else, but like that's a factor. But I just I wondered. You know, I don't know that that's possible. I mean, those guys have won so many games together, but like I, you wonder, right? They've been together a long time. Yeah, like, um, jobs open right now. All right, so what? North Carolina, Oklahoma. No, I'm talking just assistants. Like, if Izzo says I want new assistants in here. I want to change. Like I don't. Oh, if he would do a change, yes. Oof. Yes. Uh, Not if somebody leaves for a head job. If Izzo, would I don't say, know. I mean, I want to change. I, I think the more likelihood would be like you know maybe a guy like Mike Garland wants to hang it up and retire, and sure. you know he's had stuff at home, and it's been you know yeah, he's right. had a, it's been a it's been a a long kind of grind here, and and he's been there does, forever. Does, yeah. does he want to keep doing this? Um, because he's about Tom's age. I mean, they went to college together. Tom's 66, so Mike's probably right in and around there. Right. Um, I don't think that's happening, but 
I'm just right. saying, like, I think there's a better likelihood of that happening than them shuffling the deck for the sake of changing things. Right, yeah. Um, like, does, can someone on that staff get a, an offer that is worth taking? Right now, there's really... Oh, right, well... There's really nothing open that would behoove any of them to, to take, you know? Like, it's a pay cut to go get the... Go take the EMU job right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, n- none of them are getting the UNC job or Oklahoma or Texas Tech. Um, so, what is there? Not much, you know. Now, maybe yeah. maybe the those top three hires that are job openings that I mentioned, you know, create another domino effect that lead to other jobs opening that um, that that could create a situation. But like, it's weird that. Dane Fife and Dwayne Stevens have not gotten a job. Yeah, I mean, Stevens, I feel like especially, it's yeah. been, he's been there longer than Fife. Yes. Um, and it's like, God almighty, it's like 15 years at least, Yeah, I would say. And, and now he's now he's turned down jobs. Right, he's, he's been selective. And I did wonder at one point if he's got, if he got too selective and mm-hmm. maybe got himself into a situation where... Yeah, the the ones that were going to come, maybe he maybe he would go back and take that. I don't know. I, I don't right. know what the situation would be there. But yeah, that's a good point. And like Dan and I guess turned Fife, down yeah. Duquesne, you mm-hmm. know, and Duquesne's not a, a terrible job, but it's also a job that they haven't been to the NCAA tournament in thirty years, whatever. Right. Um, but yeah, it's one of those deals. If you know, if you're getting paid half a million dollars to be an assistant at Michigan State. Take that till the wheels fall off. <laughs> right. <laughs> Take well, that till they fire you and owe you something, probably. Exactly. Right? I mean, yeah, that's what I would do. You, <laughs> take it until you get an amazing job offer if mm-hmm. it if it comes. Yeah. Or you just wait. Yeah. Yeah, Maybe that would make you get sense. The head job. Yeah, yeah, that would make sense that they would sort of just pull back and run it back, and that's kind of Izzo's style for the most part. Yeah, like if that. if uh, a Hofstra calls Dane Cook or Dane Cook. <laughs> Dane Cook. Dane, Dane Cook. <laughs> he's listening out there. He's probably flattered. Uh, it's the first time he's been confusing him with Dane years. Cook. Yeah. Um, Dane Fife probably yeah. remembers Dane Cook. If, if nobody if, else does. If, if Hofstra, if Hofstra calls, you know, does he look at, like they're not going to because he's not from New York and they're only going to hire a New Yorker. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, like those jobs are. If Mike Woodson calls and says, "Dane, I need you on the stand," I've wondered that. I have wondered about that, that if that would be a scenario. If, I'm um, sorry. If Mike but, Woodson and Thad Mata call on the co-regional manager <laughs> on the co-regional manager phone and say, "Dane, we'd like you to come over here." Sorry, yeah, I had to get that in there. That's awesome. <laughs> um, I've wondered about that, but like yeah. you know, I mean, Dane Dane's got kids. You know, are you going right. to move the family for another assistant job, even if it is you know yeah, at, uh, the geez, holy into, the holy land yeah, of, right. of Bloomington, where you might you could get fired in two or three years. <laughs> also. <laughs> You can you know what I mean? like 18 months if you're not careful over there. Right. He knows that. Exactly. That's a pressure cooker. Nobody. Yeah. that's oh, it, To me, that feels like you're, you get Ooh. the head job or you, you, yeah, stay, you stay the hell away, away from yeah, it. Right. Right. Keep your mouth shut. Right. <laughs> right. Just leave me out of it. Yeah. Good call. All right. Yeah. Well, that moving, was quite a first question. Moving yes. forward here. Well, we get yelled at that we don't talk enough. Spartan hoops or Michigan nah. State around around here, but well, Michigan here we question. have one. We have one. We have one to kind of build right off of that, off the okay, staff go ahead. question. Uh, Bob enjoyed the Martelli profile. Thank you, Bob. Um, is his being at Michigan a quote as long as they'll have him end quote kind of thing, or do you think he'll want to head back home 
soon. Uh, yeah, I get this a lot. And my best read on the situation is, for one thing, Phil has come right out and said, like, look, I came out here to have, like, this kind of, this experience and and, and have a really real opportunity to win a national championship, which is obviously mm-hmm. exists. Um, but he also like hasn't experienced this job in any sort of normal times. Like the example that he's used when we've spoken has been like, I want to wake up on May 1st, you know, on the staff at Michigan and be like, all right, what's the recruiting plan? Where are we going? And that has not happened, right? Last year was obviously a complete disaster um, at the end of the, of the season. And he hasn't like they've been in the offices, but they haven't been in the offices and it hasn't been normal. And it's, it's kind of been this bastardized version of what it gets to be or what it's supposed to be like to coach at a place like Michigan. So, um, I think he is more than content to stay at Michigan and, and work for Juwan Howard. Um, you know, he, he speaks about this whole experience at a level that I, I, find to be pretty genuine um so the the question is does a job come up that he has to take um sure the scenarios that i think could play out because would no, be his family's still at home right like they uh, no one moved out here yeah they're still at Philly no yet, right? nobody moved out here no his right. wife judy still lives at, at their their old house uh right. she visits fairly often but sure, sure, sure. no he is here by himself Right. Um, so is Howard Isley, by the way, which doesn't get nearly right. as yeah, much attention as, yeah. as Phil. Mm-hmm. Um, so if a job back home opened up, I, I've thought he would think long and hard and be very open to doing it. In so, Philly. Not necessarily or in, in Philly. PA, maybe. But like, like a job I always had circled was Delaware. Oh, okay. So if just Delaware opened up, it'd be a great job. It's probably 40 minutes from his house. He would be in, in the middle of his recruiting base. I always forget that Northeast up there, y'all are like t- seven seconds away from each other. Eight <laughs> different states over, no matter what. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead. That's fair. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like that, I, that I think would be a terrific fit. Um, he could build a young staff. He could do his thing. He'd be, you know, in the CAA, which is a decent enough league. It's a notch below the A-10, but it's kind of in his comfort zone for sure. Um if like I thought Drexel might open up this year, but then mm, they went yeah. on a late run and got an NCAA tournament bid, so Zach Spiker probably isn't going anywhere. Um, I'll be curious to see if they extend him, but I, I I previously had Drexel as a possibility there. Another one to look out for would be a scenario: Phil's son Philip Jr. Okay, is an assistant coach at Bryant. And now this isn't not this is nothing that Phil has told me like hey if this happens I'm gonna do this this is just completely me mm-hmm. sketching this out on paper right yeah um, Phil's son is an assistant coach at Bryant uh, if the head coach at Bryant whose last name I think is like Grasso or something if he gets a head job somewhere I'm I'm believe that Phil Jr. would be the leading candidate to get promoted to head coach oh boy at Bryant. That's cool. Could there be a situation where son looks to bring in dad as associate yeah, right. head coach? Could be. Be a good Phil, hire, I would think. Phil, <laughs> Phil Jr. was a was a walk on at St. Joe's when 
uh, when Phil was there, that would have been... You and Phil Jr. classmates? Were we were. We were classmates yeah. at St. Joe's Prep. We were. Um, I haven't spoken to him in years, but yes. Um, Phil's other son, uh, Jimmy, is a is the director of basketball operations at VCU. Um, but that, is, he, is he trying to be a coach? Or I would assume. Yeah, I would assume. Um, he would obviously need to get bumped up to an assistant That's before a long we, way we off have there, any conversation. Yeah, con- yeah that, I don't think a head coach conversation is, is there yet. But... Um, the those would be like the best case scenarios that I could see mm-hmm. Martelli possibly taking uh, a job other than Michigan. But if I had a bet today, I'd say Phil's assistant coach at Michigan next year. That would make sense. Yeah. Question from Brian. As we move forward here, still mm-hmm. in Michigan. Brian says since Michigan will lose over half its current rotation, including all of the backcourt guys. Played significant minutes. Do you see them bringing in any guards via the portal or rolling with Jackson and the freshman coming in next year to pick up those minutes? So Yeah, I mean, there. I'll be curious. I mean, the first thing that they need to figure out is going to be whether Eli Brooks or Mike Smith wants to exercise their extra year. Um, also, somebody's I, been asked I, here, yeah. I, and I Shawnee think, Brown, I believe, that's also been asked. Sure. So I think I think Eli is, is going to give it real consideration um, that's my understanding. I don't know about Mike Smith. Mike's pretty old. Um, right. And, you know, he, he also came to, but him and Shondi, like it's worth saying, like they came to Michigan to play basketball, Michigan. Mm-hmm. They haven't played in front of fans. They have not gotten that is true. the experience that you're supposed to get playing at a place like, like that. Right. No, they um, would have been a big deal. <laughs> It would have been a big, big deal this year. Yes. I think their semester exactly. would have been a little different. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah so, that's a good point. You know, is is that any enticement to stick around to to be able to do that? They'd obviously get more shots, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you take potentially Franz out of the picture, you take Livers out of the picture. Well, there's, you know, obviously there's a ton of talent coming in, but those guys would they would be catalysts. So. Um, but I'm interested in, yeah, so to the point guard conversation, Eli or Mike Smith, depending on what they want to do, um, that would obviously, you know, you need to know that before you're going to go after a point guard. So I don't know if that conversation has been had yet with those guys. Um, but even if they are, you could still make the case to bring in another guard. Um, yeah. If it's, whether it's a lead guard, whether it's a three-point shooter, just something to kind of flesh that out. Um, I mean, we all know the importance of depth. So, yeah, I could. I think they're going to, you know, if someone piques their interest, they're going to reach out regardless just because you have to. You know, when a guy like Kellen Grady comes available from Davidson, you have to call, you know. Yeah, and and right. um, I think he's going to Kentucky or something. But um, guys like that, yeah, you have to kick the tire. Do you kick the tires on Marcus Carr? I don't know. I Good. That that'd be that'd be awesome to watch <laughs> to watch as uh, someone who has to watch a lot of Michigan basketball. I'm down for watching something like that, but it's also you know how much are you willing to disrupt? Yeah, you know, right. Like they yeah. got a good thing going. Talk about that. Yeah, there's you know that there's a ton of talent coming in. Um, you can let this thing kind of grow by natural progression, and uh, and see where it takes you without the you know I don't think that you have to make certain moves just because you just want to 
um, accumulate as much talent as possible. You know, there's a fine, fine line there mm. of of messing things up, of not bringing in. You know, to, the big, the best aspect of bringing in Mike Smith and Shawnee Brown last year was that their personalities fit, that they bought in on their roles and things like that. Right? That's, That's it. not. That doesn't always happen. Those are unicorn transfers. Yeah. Those are rare. Those are very rare in football and basketball. They are not yeah. normal. I think that people, you got, you got to remember that. Even in this climate, I would still think that that probably holds. Maybe you'd have a better hit rate because there's more people, but mm-hmm. people don't always leave for good re- <laughs> You know what I yeah, mean? Like yeah, they usually yeah. leave because it's like I, I'm having a bad experience here and I want to get the hell out of here. And sometimes that's someone else's fault and sometimes it's not. And like right. that happens and we don't know. Like, that's the thing with the transfer. You know, you just don't know. It's a tough deal. Yeah. So, um, so first things first, and this was, this goes with everybody, especially teams who ended their seasons later. Like, you got to find out what your own roster is going to be Yeah. before you're figuring out what players you're bringing in. You, you, you can't – it's not, you know, your old comment. Like, it's not a video game where you can just yeah. be like, oh, I'll take this guy, I'll take this guy. This guy averaged 20 points at this school. Let's get, go get him, bring him in. Why not? That's you know, 20 points. Just, yeah, right. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So um, I'll be curious to see what they do in the in the portal. Um, but, damn, I mean, they've got, you know, they have the best recruiting class in the country coming in. Um, Pretty good. Those are, those are guys who – are ready to play and um and there's going to be guys within the 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 Michigan roster that have to make their own decisions on you know what what do they want to do what that is, was another question about Dickinson of course yeah i mean go into that one right here i think Dickinson has to Hassler. you know uh, he'll declare and and test the waters and then i think he'll come back that would be my mm-hmm. guess i haven't talked to anybody who thinks he's you know anything other than a middle second round pick maybe late second round pick um and i think it it's more He's in one of the more unique situations where it's probably more advantageous for him to be at Michigan than in the G League, earning money. Because I would at think Michigan, so him, he gets sure. to work for he gets to work underneath Juwan Howard, right. and you're not getting that le- in the G League. Yeah. Learn how to shoot over his opposite shoulder. Learn how, or you know, be given the opportunity to step out and and shoot some threes and do a little pick and pop action. Like all, the natural evolution of him can happen very naturally at Michigan, and they're mm-hmm. going to give him as many friggin touches as he can handle a game right it's not like he's going to be maligned in some program that doesn't play right, through right. the post right they're going right. to they he'll be projected as the the big 10 player of the year entering next year and they will think. make him the big 10 player of the year next year you know <laughs> right. so uh, yeah I, I think he tests because it's a natural thing to do and he should accumulate that information and he'll have to make you know the the contacts with the agents and all these things that if it hasn't already happened um it's just the way the world works. So, yeah, I would expect them to do that. But what do other guys do? You know, what is Adrian Nunez and Brandon Johns? You know, their 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 clock is kind of ticking. Where do what do they see themselves as in the program next year? Brandon Johns had this breakout late, but you know, does he see that happening next year too? And what position does he want to play? And what position will be available for him to play? You know, these are things that have to be had in very real conversations. Uh, that happened one on one. That in an office that I don't have bugged. <laughs> <laughs> that I don't have bugged. Probably not anytime soon. On that one, I wouldn't think. Um, we got a football uh, question for you, Nick. All right, go for it. Let's go. Sorry, I've got to apologize to Rick, longtime listener. He says no football every time he asks. Lo- go lobster, ahead. lobster puncher. 
Lobster I don't know what that, know what that means. It's probably something, something horrific. Yeah, it's probably right. something really bad that they can splice me saying it. You, prob- you probably shouldn't have said that out loud. Walked right yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah. In Nick's opinion, what would constitute a success? By the way, doesn't that shit make you feel so old when you say something? And you're like, uh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> that's probably an expression that. <laughs> Better look that up real quick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I should know, but I'm too old and disconnected uh, to know. But everything right. makes me feel old. Yeah. In Nick's opinion. What would constitute a successful season for both MSU and UM football? And would firing Harbaugh a year after extending him be more damaging to the program than it would have been to simply part ways this offseason? Fair questions. Yeah, I'll start with the last question first. uh, And that answer would be no. I don't think that that would be more damaging uh, for all the reasons that we talked about back in the winter. Um and again, like I know that we're, you know, here we're sitting here on April 2nd and people are getting excited about vaccinations and, you know, hopefully, you know, knock on wood, maybe in the fall, things will be a little closer to normal. First but shot you, yesterday, Nick. There you go. Yeah. All right. So we're on our way, as we know. Let's do it, um, but like, you know, you go back into November, December and it was like, we just didn't know. Right. So, I mean, we talked about all those uncertainties back then and, you know, venturing into a coaching search. At that time, you know, whether Ward had that at top of mind or not, which, you know, all parties would tell you back then and still now that he didn't. His, his preference was to rehire or extend or whatever um, Harbaugh. But, like, even if he had that, you know, as something that was a preferable whatever option, like, it was going to be difficult because of the right. pandemic. And it was going to be difficult because of all the uncertainty with recruiting and restarting in a pandemic because you'd still be... Even if you pulled the plug in December and you brought a new coach in here, you hired Matt Campbell or something, like he would still be building his program right now from his couch or from, you know, his office or whatever. You can't go out. You can't recruit. It's the same thing that Mel Tucker was into. So in that case, no, I don't think firing him after if you decide, you know, this year it didn't work, you fire him with a low buyout, which is why that low buyout is in there. I don't think that would hurt anything. I don't think that would do any damage. Look, I mean, everybody's perception of what Michigan football is isn't changing whether they fire Jim Harbaugh or not, I wouldn't think. If it doesn't work again and they fire him, then I think people would be like, okay, well, you know, it didn't work and they're moving on. And right. people would get their shots in and they'd, and they'd make fun of it. And then, you know, a week or two would go by and they'd be like, well, who's your next coach? Like, that's how it would go. Right. Now, the tougher question is the what would you constitute a successful season for Michigan State and Michigan? For Michigan State, I think it's probably a little easier in that it's still, you know... Last year was last year. It was a weird year. I'm not sure for, for Mel Tucker how much we can really, you know, hold him to the fire on any of that. But I would say in this year, you know, they're bringing in a bunch of guys from the transfer portal. They're working to improve the roster. They're working to improve sort of the competitive depth, I guess, uh, I would say, of the roster. So a successful season for Michigan State this year, I would say, would be something in the window of bowl contention you know seven wins eight wins would be a great year i think eight wins would be a big time you know you'd look you'd you'd be happy i think for sure you'd be really happy with that i think a bowl in general would be good um based on where they were when the year started last year because i think if you go back to when the season began again like they were really really bad it was it was rough the roster was rough the situation was rough everything was rough so a bowl i think right now for him would be what what you're looking for but i would also say this if you don't get to that point, if you're if you're still like, oh my god, this is really rough. If it's like a two or three win season, that's a problem. And next year would be, you know, the twenty twenty 
two year would be a little more maybe difficult, right, for Mel, and it would have to hit. Like those are the those are the things with fans as you go as you build up. So I would say something in the bowl range would be what you're looking for there. Um, but for Michigan, like, look, this is year seven. Um, <laughs> we know what this is. We know what they are. We know where they need to improve. And we know what improvement, real, honest to God, improvement is going to look like. And we know what it's not going to look like. So for me, it's not really been about wins. I think you know what that means. If they're six, six, seven wins, no. Like if they're five wins, no. If, you know, I don't know if there is an actual win number. Like if you lose, like if you go eight and four and lose four games to top five teams by a field goal, I don't know. Right. But are you competing in a way that we can look at and say, we've seen that before, we recognize that before, and that's going to lead to you having a good team and this roster fixing itself and everything else, or are you doing more of the same where every time you know adversity strikes, you crumble, and then afterward look for reasons why it wasn't as bad as maybe it looked or whatever else, and then we go forward on that song and dance. I don't think there's going to be any mystery. I think you're going to know. I think you're going to know if this thing is going back in the right direction or not. He's either, Jim Harbaugh, there's no mystery anymore. The staff's either going to work or it's not. He's either going to be able to click with these guys or he's not. And, you know, for me, that's sort of where I look at it. I mean, that's a, that's, the win number would be Ward Manuel's, you know, thing to decide. I don't know. I mean, he said it in his thing when he talked the other day, like, you know, Jim knows we got to win. I know we got to win. That's what we need to do here. But I think that I got a lot of questions about that that day. And it was like, well, how many wins does he have to have? And I still don't think it's a, I just think you'll know. I don't. I don't think it's going to be difficult to figure it out. I mean, we saw where they were, and you know where they need to be. I mean, from a competitive standpoint, and you know, we know what Michigan football is supposed to look like. We know what it's not supposed to look like. I think that that at, at that point, that's that's kind of right. where we're at with that. I have Michigan State follow up. Yeah. So all this activity that they have pulling guys out of the portal, right? Yeah, but in I mean, and out, a lot of guys out, a lot of guys. Yeah, in. Mm-hmm. And, and we talked about you know obviously how. Uh, fickle it can be actually finding guys that fit that work that you know a lot of things have to go right for you to actually kind of yeah find success accumulating guys that way um what's your read on the talent that they are gaining from the portal is this more fleshing out a roster right like you need you know a, a third or fifth tackle right and like you need bodies on a roster that it's just not massive drop-offs if you have injuries and things like that, right? It, the guys that they're bringing in, do you think it's more just kind of fleshing out a roster that can be competitive at the Big Ten? Or are they adding guys that are like, they're penciling in as starters and projected contributors and things yeah. like that? I mean, it's probably it's probably both. Uh, and certainly you're not looking to bring guys in here if the latter can't be true if they're not going to be able to come in here and win a job. And I think mm-hmm. that that's number one where it has to start. But the greater goal here, I would think from Mel Tucker, just listening to him talk and listening to last year and knowing what their roster limitations were, the greater goal here with that, I would think would be to heat up your, heat up your practices is to heat up right now is to be able to go out and practice and have an actual practice where like, Hey, uh, we're not great at this one spot here. We're going to have six guys. We're going to throw them in the pool, and they're going to go tear each other's face off to see who wins this job. And they're all going to be at a higher level, and they're going to push each other. That I think had gone had. That's why D'Antonio. That's why it failed with D'Antonio at the end, or not mm-hmm. failed, whatever, faded away, fell apart, whatever. 
the depth of talent and the depth of competitive juice on the roster had just like bottomed out, and it was even lower uh, when when Tucker started last season. So I think that when you look at it that way, taking advantage of the transfer portal, number one, you know, they're in a situation with recruiting that they can't go out and it's going to be harder for them right now to sell to a high school kid, I think, than it is mm-hmm. to, a, to, to a transfer, especially when you have all these jobs open. And then number two, it would be, you're not even necessarily looking for <laughs> those kids. I don't think they come in here and if they start, they start. If they don't, they don't. If, if a kid from, if a running back from Auburn comes in here and lights a fire under Elijah Collins' ass and he ends up being an all-Big Ten player, then it's a win. And if the kid from Auburn never plays for you, it's still a win. Because Collins, you know what I mean? Like, those are also things that, you know, Tucker, I think, would have liked to have done last year that he didn't get the opportunity to do because of COVID. I, when he got hired in February, I anticipated before COVID started, like, he's going to turn this roster over pretty hard before next August, like spring's going to be awkward and then fall camp's going to be just like, he's going to crank it up, turn the roster over and it's going to be everyone in here. What the hell's going on? It's going to be chaos. And he didn't get to do that. And I think that this is probably more what we'll see this year for them. I think it'll help. I think this is, this is what you want. I think you, you need that. You cannot have guys on your team anymore, you know, riding a bus and eating steak. Like if they're there, you know, wearing the Jersey and doing nothing else, they got to go. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Mel Tucker has not been bashful about saying that compete to play, compete to stay or whatever. I think is what he says. And Mel's good with those rhymes, man. Like (laughs) those things go together, but like, I think it'll help him. Uh, I don't know though, if you're, if you're looking for seven or eight guys to come in and flip the team and just be like, there's seven or eight best players. I'm not sure if that's going to be, you know, uh, the exact answer, but I do think it'll give them a good chance to, you know, just deepen the level of competition they have on the roster and just become a better team that way. Yeah. I mean, um, it's uh, the guys that they're bringing in. It's, they're mainly coming from high major schools, right? Yeah, they're yeah they've got guys from all over. I mean, some SEC guys and everything else. So I mean, they've got guys, and guys at positions of need. So I mean, it could certainly be where you like Chiano did that last year at Rutgers, where he brought in a ton of guys that were transfers, and they all started and they all played pretty well. Right. You know, I don't know about all of them, but they all played it's, pretty well. So that could happen too, for sure. It's always one of those things, you know. People just get. It's the name game when it comes to the portal, right? Like the kids yeah. that come out, you get, you know, you're Michigan State and some kid from Auburn commits. It's like, oh, well, he's at Auburn, so he's obviously going to yeah, be he's awesome. Yeah, he's a top 200 player. Yeah, right. Yeah, like. I mean, <laughs> in experience, if you go down, like, the list of examples of transfers, of which there's now, you know, just countless, mm-hmm. um, it's usually like if you go down, you can boost your – your contributions, like yeah. your numbers can spike a little bit and stuff like that. But like guys going side to side or up, yeah, the football it rarely, yeah. it rarely, rarely plays out. Right. And people get so excited when such and such comes from such and such school because of pedigree and stuff like that. But it's like, man, it's usually look at league to league, mm-hmm. you know, like how, how comparable is it that if you contributed over this over there, it's probably going to be this over here. And blah, blah, blah. Like, on the basketball side, right? Like, look at some Michigan guys recently. Like, I'm sure when Mark Denal transferred to Clemson, people at yeah. Clemson are probably like, this dude's from Michigan. Like, Michigan's going to the Final Four and stuff. This, he's probably going to be, be awesome. Yeah. It's going to be good. Yeah. He got there. I think he did, like, basically, it's the exact same thing. He averaged three <laughs> points Mark at Denial. Michigan. Yeah, I'm pretty right. sure he averaged three <laughs> points at Clemson, you know? Cam Chapman <laughs> transferred from Michigan to Detroit Mercy. He, Cam Chapman did very little at, at Michigan. Yeah, he sat out a year and then 
went to Detroit and averaged, averaged like, yeah, 18 points on 30 shots a game and, yeah. and entered the draft, which was you know, a whole different story. But, um, right. like, that's that. that's kind of the way that I, I feel like it goes. And then you see Jerron Simmons transfer from Ohio up to Michigan. And, mm-hmm. I and, think it's and, easier. You know what I mean? I think it's easier in basketball to plug and play just because of the sport. You know what right. I mean? And the personality, obviously, it's the same. It's it's difficult either way. But like uh, football, yeah, it's it's tougher. It's tougher to plug and play like that. I mean, it's a difficult sport in terms of being able to come in from outside and fit. You know what I mean? You have to be really good. And so you bring in eight guys. Odds are some of them are probably good. You know, like I mean, I think it'll it'll help them in terms of win loss. But I think moreover, because when you're restarting a program, when you're trying to take over and rebuild, I mean. You need your roster has to go through some stress that it's not used to. That is like mm-hmm. the most productive thing that a new coach can do. And it's sometimes it looks like it's a negative, and sometimes everybody hates it, and sometimes people get pissed, but it has to happen. It is necessary. I mean, sure. we've both been doing this long enough now. I would say that that's, I don't know if that's totally the case in, in basketball, depending on the situation, but in football, with that many guys especially if you have a situation where an old coach has been there for a long time and everybody got comfortable. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying that the roster needs to go through stress. And I think that you need to, you need to find where, what everybody, you know, you need to find out what everybody can do. And I think the best way to do that is to crank up your, your competitive level and, you know, bringing in high school players helps your team, but like they need to be more competitive in practice like right now. And I think that that's, the biggest part of this strategy right there is to just, we need to have better practices before we're worried about having better games. And I think that that's probably where it starts. Yeah. Um, basketball school, 1812 asks, could I beat Nick with just a seven iron and a putter? <laughs> I saw this question earlier today. Um, you know I that never... I, I used to golf in my early twenties. Oh, um, I don't know if I've ever talked about this. I did golf like so in college. I was obviously a waiter, right? I, I told that story. I worked at uh, Zenders, a Frankenmuth, as a server. Um, in the summers. Wait, I need to know more and, about this restaurant. You said that like I should know what that means. Oh, I've never been you to don't know what that. Okay, I've never well, been to Frankenmuth. Locals will know what that is. So I grew up in Millington, which is fifteen minutes away. Frankenmuth is like a tourist, little tiny yeah. tourist. Trap, town, whatever you want to call it. Like, so it's an old chicken restaurant. They serve like the chicken dinners. Uh, okay. That's their thing. So they have two of them there. A big deal in that town and everything else. It's a whole. I'm surprised you haven't been dragged there by someone as long as you've lived in this state. Uh, but anyway, uh, it's, uh, so I worked there. They I can, also, listen, I can make this my top priority to go eat chicken at this place. I have nothing you else going on. Okay. Uh, it's a lot of salt. I don't know. <laughs> depending on how your diet's doing there. But anyway, no. So. They owned a golf course as well, the mm. restaurant, the family owned restaurant. So we would have, we could go golf there. And it was actually, it's the Fortress in Frankenmuth. I believe they had like PGA qualifiers there, okay. stuff like this. Nice golf course. Expensive. I couldn't have afforded it if we didn't get the employee discount oh. and the free like money coupons that they gave us to go over there and spend. We couldn't do it unless we did it at twilight. So we would have to go at like six. And golf, right. and we'd have to like put the polo shirt on and everything else. So I did that for you know several years. So I've golfed. I didn't okay. like it because I think I'd do better with it now than I would then. Because my problem was always like I've said this before. I could get like six holes, and I'd be keeping it together, and then like on seven, I would 
hit one into the lake or something like that and be like, I'm done with this. Like, well, let, I, the let whole me thing's ask, ruined and I would just be, yeah. Let me ask you this, Nick. Was there anything that you might have been doing along the way that was contributing to your play dropping off I mean, over the course sometimes, of the sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> but sometimes not. Sometimes it would just like, you know, happen, but. Um, sure. I would get frustrated and just be like, uh, to hell with this. <laughs> just be like. Could I, you break a hundred? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay. But I didn't do 18 very often. I would usually just do the nine. So, like, a nine hole for me was like... If I, I hope I, you break 100. Yeah, I was in the... I, by the end, I was probably in the 40s. Okay. Like high 40s, uh, 50s. That's reasonable. Somewhere around... I was probably around 100 most of the time. Sure. I would say. If I did it today, I'd be certainly north of 100 because it's been years since I've golfed. But, yeah. You could probably beat me with a seven iron or a putter if we went out there today, I would think, yeah. I'm trying to think playing, like playing the playing Leslie Park maybe with a seven iron and a putter. I think I, I, I think I could certainly break a hundred. Um, well, then you'd be in contention to beat me because I don't. So know I'm going to say yes that I think yeah. I could. Yeah, I would think that that's probably a fair, <laughs> a fair guess at this point. Uh, been a long time also although my back isn't destroyed like all of you uh career golfers mine is completely destroyed (laughs) completely destroyed right now i'm like dreading if i win the lottery at augusta national next week so like every year then i'll have to play and like my my back's all fucked up from of course so here's what i do right i go through the season I'm not nearly as active as normal because I'm not walking through airports and going from city to city and city. I've just been in my place all mm. winter. Um, you know, I didn't like balloon and get fat or anything, but you know, I'm just not in the best uh, best of shape. So I go and uh, buy new irons, and I've been you know sure. all, all winter I've been working on my swing and just getting in ready. My place, yeah, yeah just here. <laughs> you know, I want to I want to improve my shoulder turn. This is going to generate more club head speed and all this. So I, I buy new irons. I go to the driving range, um, barely stretch, barely oh, there stretch. You go. You're too excited. Get a hundred balls, <laughs> pour them out. Hundred balls. Like you you should and certainly in theory be building up, right? You're taking quarter swings, quarter swings for five or six or seven you balls. You just hammered right? every one of them. Then half swings for, you know, <laughs> ten balls or fifteen balls, right? And slowly build up and at no point on your first day should you be swinging hundred percent, period. <laughs> I think I hit like five practice shots, but I got these new irons, right? So I got a hard on. I'm so excited. This is great. This this these clubs are the shit. I'm ready to shave off. I'm getting down to like a five handicap this year with with these clubs. I'm excited. So five shots in, I am at 100%. And I'm just... just (laughs) Wrenching your back. Puring irons and feeling great. But I'm at the same time doing catastrophic damage to my (laughs) back. And man, by the end of it, I'm like, I'm a little sore. I wake up the next day and it's a total disaster. (laughs) And then I go, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like shit. And I go and I cover that tournament in Florida, the TPC oh, right, yeah. at uh, God, TPC geez. Sawgrass. I cover the Players' Championship, and I, you know, I get asked, "Hey, do you want to go play this this course on Saturday morning?" I'm like, well, <laughs> I guess I will. <laughs> yeah, right. And I brought I'm my here. sticks in case I had an opportunity to play Sawgrass. Um, so yeah, I go and I play this course at like six thirty in the morning on a Saturday, <laughs> carrying my bag, like because I you know I like to walk. And, you carried uh, oh god yeah and by the end of that i'm like oh shit this is really bad <laughs> really really bad 
and I tried to play again another day when I got back. Uh, actually, went and played oh. with with our buddy Mike Rosenberg, and what did uh, you? I had a I had a walk off the course at the turn. I couldn't do it. <laughs> couldn't do it. <laughs> Ever since then, I've been seeing a chiropractor. I'm seeing a, a like a physical physiotherapy thing. It's yeah, You're shambles. Just life comes shambles. at you fast. It does. <laughs> I would say that's a pretty fair. So Very now stable. I'm worried, yeah. right? Well, I could probably I, maybe get maybe I don't know if I could get you in your back pain problem. I could maybe my only chance would be if you went out there without any pain relief, uh, got drunk, and then maybe by whole <laughs> five I could make a move or something. Very plausible. All of that's very plausible. Yeah, um, that'd be about it. I, but now I'm worried that I'm going to go to Augusta next week, right? Yeah, you're going to get do, the they do lottery. the player raffle, and this will be. <laughs> And once you win, you can't win again for like five years or something. So, well, you got to play if, if you're... Well, absolutely. If you're I mean, now, the good thing would be I'd have a caddy, so I wouldn't have to worry about carrying oh, my bag. Uh, but yeah, you just have to muster up, you know. Bring some cortisone. What would I shoot, what would I sh- what would I shoot at Augusta? I'd probably shoot like a 95 or 115. Actually, with those greens, I'd probably shoot like 110. You could bring one of those back braces that, uh, that uh, stockroom guys wear. You, see, you know what I mean? <laughs> you see like a girdle? Yeah, like the thing. <laughs> The thing with the the pockets in the front. That yeah. they wear? I, I shot a ninety four at Bethpage the day after the PGA Championship. I have a feeling that if I played uh, Augusta Ooh. the day after the Masters this year, it would probably be uh, course low, course record fifteen. <laughs> It'd be the caddy walking off the Throwing course, off not the me. Course. Get this yeah. guy out of here. He doesn't know what he's yeah. disgracing this holy golf course. <laughs> before we get uh, out of here, wait. Paul has a question here. that I want to give him an answer okay. to. Go for uh, when you and Dylan talk hoops, you often say a player is plus or minus a number when on the floor. What does that term mean? So plus minus in basketball is the your team's production, good or bad. The score. The score, the score while you're on the floor. So <laughs> if, if the 22 minutes that you played, uh, Paul, Michigan outscored whatever school by... 10 points, that's your plus-minus number. You're, 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 you're plus, plus 10. 10. Um, if you were outscored, it would be minus 10. So that's it, Paul. I, not, Paul, not Paul always, is a long-time listener, so I wanted to answer that for Not me. always the most telling stat. It say. is rarely yeah. should it be carry a lot of weight, and that's probably... I've seen a lot of lot. guys run laps and get a plus 10 over the years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we use it pretty sparingly. Like, there's yeah. just sometimes where it's, you know, your eyes... You see what the difference the guy right. made, yeah, good yeah, or yeah. bad, and it and it actually kind of is spelled out in that number. Like it's good you for know, tracking, you know. Austin Davis was like plus eighteen in eight minutes in the one Michigan right. game this year, and he went three for three with three field goals, played really really good defense, walling up guys, and like right. yeah, his contributions and that shows were, were you what evident. That- Right, what it right. does to everybody around him. Right. Yeah, I've seen guys it. play like shit in five minutes though, and come out with a positive plus minus. And they're like, "Hey, man, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> winning either way." Yeah. Before we get out though, I do want to take some time on this. This is not Michigan, Michigan State, but Nezzy asked about Carolina, the Carolina. Oh team. yeah, sure. And we did talk about Izzo and all that before, but um, we've talked for years about Duke, Carolina, Syracuse, um, UConn before Calhoun retired. All these jobs with these guys who've been there for a thousand years. And Roy hasn't been there for a thousand years, but it's Carolina. He's been there for tw- long time. Long yeah. time. But not like Bayhine or something like that. Or right. Um, so, like, number one, like, that job, who do you, who do you think would, be, would make any sense in that situation? Uh, and then just generally, 
Because I think this is interesting too. The if your read on kind of what people are looking for in a college basketball coach uh, right now today, hmm. major top level programs. Because I think that that the answer to that question changes all the time. I think it changes year to year. Yeah, I mean, I still feel like college basketball is probably is, is behind in terms of like where the game is going. And just generally speaking of. Mm-hmm. When you look at like what's kind of happening at a higher level, like the NBA, and that is true, um, just the the more emphasis on three point shots, more emphasis on this, more yeah, emphasis on that, right? Opposite like, of football, switching yeah. everything, getting personnel, right? Like the power forward's dead, mm-hmm. uh, but there's probably still some college basketball coaches that are like, who's playing power forward? You know Not what I mean? It, <laughs> 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 like, there's just some things that are kind of extinct. Uh-huh. that still seem to kind of have life in certain corners of college basketball. Um, the idea, like switching being a great example of... Yeah. Nowadays, like, you need to be recruiting five guys who can who can switch. Exactly. And, and all this. And there's just still some places that just, that just isn't the thing, you know? So, if I'm an AD, like, I want someone talking at that level of... Mm-hmm. This is how we're going to play defense, and this is my emphasis on three-point shooting. This is the prototypical player that I want to be recruiting and, and things like that. And, you know, the perfect hire for North Carolina is Mark Few, in my opinion. Do they get Mark Few? I don't know. I, I don't think so. Maybe. But, I mean, that would be Jeez, a hell of a hire, man. Yeah. It'd be a hell of a good hire. But, that you know, would Ca- be good, yeah. Carolina also doesn't go outside the family, you know? No, they don't. And is that really plausible, you know? like Well, I mean, Hubert Davis is there. He's been there for a minute, right? He he should be. He and Wes Miller are probably the yeah, most Miller. natural candidates. But, like, look, you, over, you pass over Hubert Davis. Yeah. Who has sat next to Roy Williams for all those for a damn long time. years yeah. for young ass Wes Miller. Right. Not great optics. <laughs> Let's put it that way, man. Like that is whoo. Like you know, I, when I did feel he get there? Uh, Hubert Davis? No, Miller. I mean, Miller, oh, he's at Greensboro. He's That's at Greensboro. Right. Mind, and yeah, and right. he's like 34. Mind, he's a kid, yeah. 35, but He's a Carolina guy. He's had great success as a That's head right. coach. Hubert Davis has never been a head coach. Right. Um, I believe Bubba Cunningham came out yesterday and said, you know, I do favor someone at this level that I've had head coaching experience. And it's just like, okay, you know, that I get that for sure. Um, but what does that mean for Hubert Davis? I don't know. Um I don't either. I mean, that's a it's an and interesting what deal. is the same conversation we had with with Izzo? You know, what mm. voice does Roy Williams have in this thing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I think that that those jobs are they're so rare and there's so few of them where the family thing actually does matter. And in Carolina's mm-hmm. case, it I mean, it does. I mean, let's just be honest. No Carolina doubt. has more goddamn like former All American <laughs> superstar basketball players. Than anybody? I, Duke, I guess, is about the only place that rivals is, it. Maybe Kentucky. Is Carolina the best job in the country? <sighs> um, I would say that Carolina has got to be no worse than two, right? Mm-hmm. It can't be worse than two. Just based on the network of guys that you have that played and played at a big... Like, Nezzy, who's a closet Carolina fan, 
Um, wants or is to see, it, or, does wants he just Wallace. like Carolina because he hates Duke? Well, whatever. Yeah, I guess. Probably. Yeah. That seems like more like Nezzy style. But maybe he's a lifelong Carolina fan. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But he says that he wants them to look at, like, what about, like, Rasheed Wallace? He's coaching high school ball. Can he be on the staff? I mean, these are things that you talk about, right? Where it's like all these right. guys, Vince Carter played there. I'm not saying these guys need to be the coach. I'm just saying guys that can vouch for someone or whatever that can help you. There's right. so many guys. So I would right. think that Carolina, and they do seem to be, because you had, you went from, apart from that weird stretch where they had, what, Doherty and, uh, I think that's Bill, it. Bill Guthridge for a minute. Who, and then who, was the, who was the longtime assistant who, was the who got Davis. the ball. Right. Yeah, and then they went to Matt Doherty, and then that struggled for like two or three or three or four years, whatever it was. And then they hired Roy. So it was like Dean Smith for 30 years, Roy Williams for 20 years, or whatever it yeah. was. Like, right. you're not going to beat that. I mean, Duke, yeah. Duke is... I feel like less, maybe even less so, because it's only, it's one guy. It's Krzyzewski. The ties that bind the Carolina people are like, yes. you know. I don't think Duke's the best job in the country. Yeah, my opinion, the two best jobs in the country are Kansas and North Carolina. And you can make one or two interchangeable, I think. it's. I think they're co-number yeah, ones. Probably. that's. I would probably favor Carolina a little bit more because mm-hmm. of their association with Jordan. Sure. Um, and sure. You know, I just think that Carolina is that that one brand in college basketball that seems to just cross every state line. Nobody, everybody knows who care. You know, everyone sees that logo or whatever and knows what that is. I just, yeah. you know, I think that that's Kansas too. I guess, but I think I would go a lot of Kansas, responsibility with that one. Kansas, North Carolina, co number one, probably. Yeah, that's fair. Kentucky three. Yeah, I mean they've had more stops and starts and all Duke. that. So many guys though. Is Duke four? Duke's probably four. I would put Duke below Kentucky. I would say yes, because um, I, I, I mean, I, by I a hair, but I don't Duke know. is. It's right you, there. I don't know. You want to talk about program is the coach? Yeah, it's just a billion guys, but yeah, right. I mean, it's Shashesky though, yeah. like, and it's not like he has this whole flock of you know former assistants having amazing success here and there, where there's this pipeline of obvious head coaching choices. Like, no, that's not the case at all. No. It's Shashevsky, the whole time, the <laughs> yeah, whole from, time from yes. day one to now. Every single thing about Duke, yeah. I just, I mean, I think they, I had, mean, some they had success before, but it's not like this b- no. before him. But it's, it, yeah, it's. I mean, it rather, took him a good ten years to get them to to where they were. You know, yeah, he should have been fine. <laughs> but like, I just, I don't know the the Carolina job. It's always fascinating. It's one of those like the Roy Williams hire too is. It's interesting. I thought about this when it happened. Um, because I remember when they hired him, and Carolina sucked when they mm-hmm. hired Roy Williams, and they got good immediately. Roy Williams was the original Jim Harbaugh hire, the original mm-hmm. like fantasy land. <laughs> My God, little kids growing up well, yeah, dreaming he took, about this. He took you know, Kansas like, to the national championship game the year before, right? And then left. yes, walked right. out, goes to Carolina. They're terrible mm-hmm. on their ass, mm-hmm. and fixes it like in two years, and yeah. then just carries it for twenty. Right. Like he is like. Roy Williams going back to Carolina is like the movie storybook hire. Yes. The only one that I can think of that worked the way it was supposed to. Uh, I mean, honest to God, did. Delivered. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I don't think you could... All those big splash hires we've seen in the last 15, 20 years, right? In college yeah. sports. Yeah. How many of them top that one? Shit. Man alive. Like, big splash. Roy Williams, national news, right? Yeah. When that happened. 2002, 2003, whatever it was. Yep. Everyone knew it. Yep. Everyone remembers him 
cussing at Bonnie Bernstein after the championship <laughs> game. Like, right. I don't give a shit about North Carolina, Bonnie. I know you got to ask this. Like, everybody remembers that. It was a huge deal. I right. just can't think of, like, any other guys or hires like that that, like, were like, that's the obvious choice for a powerhouse. Right. And boy, wouldn't it be something if he left another powerhouse yeah. to come here. And, and, I, and then it would work, right? So, and you know, you know what, like... Yeah. God, that that own his O nine team. I mean, that is still was one of the greatest friggin' they were teams. I, I mean, they were that team was so good. Mm-hmm. It was outrageous, and they just murdered, Everybody. murdered everyone even, in the yeah. NCAA tournament. It was I like mean, Gonzaga right now. I mean, they're just killing. Yeah, everybody. yeah. That year they went through the tournament, and I'm looking at it now from the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, and then Final Four. They played Gonzaga, Oklahoma, Villanova, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. It was 8, 7, 13, and 9 in Ken Palm's ratings. They won 98 to 77, 72 to 60, 83 to 69, 89 to 72. No one within 12 yeah, points of them. Everybody. Just murdered. Murder ball, right? That's what yeah. Gonzaga's doing right now. Right. Yeah, interesting time. So, wait, who's your pick? For I don't know. I would assume, like you, it's either Davis or uh, Wes Miller, but I, um, I don't know. I mean, the the Mark Sheet as assistant coach. Let's go. yeah, that's what Sign I told you. I said not as a head coach, but put Sheet on the staff and let's oh, have a good time, baby. Yeah, let's sure. get it. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I mean, if you want to put him the head coach, I I no, would do not maybe make think about Sheet Wallace hey, the head coach. You want to put Sheet Wallace as the head coach? I would maybe think about moving to North Carolina, buying season tickets, and watching that. Okay, but. I, I'm you know, contacted like, the higher ups, and I I might be, yo I I will I, I will aid Brendan, North- I will aid Brendan Marks in covering Carolina, but I just need to be in and around this scene. I want everyone from Simon oh, Gratz High School God, going to, to Chapel Hill for this for this era of Carolina <laughs> basketball. I want Bill Ellerby in the building. These names don't mean a lot to anyone except for the five filled up yeah, listeners. Put him on staff as like the lowest <laughs> assistant if you just promise like he's the next guy. Like or whatever when like it gets to that point. Hell that someday yes. we can see Rasheed Wallace as a college baseball coach and like a big level job. Yes. I think that would be want, a lot of fun. I want to see like a Michigan Carolina game. I want Sheet on one sideline. Sheet's I want coaching Jordan high school Howard. ball in uh, Durham right now. And I yeah, he is. I, yeah. I tried to do a story there. It didn't work out. Yeah. But um I would I would like to see a uh a Juwan Howard, uh, Mark Turgeon go. situation, except it's Juwan and, <laughs> and Sheed at the oh, <laughs> center court. You gotta get the refs, get, uh, all the officials. Let's just, like, you guys go. Can have it out. <laughs> <laughs> just go for it. Do whatever you want to do. <laughs> I don't know. Fascinating. I'm, it made me wonder, though, about, as I always do, like what the next. I wouldn't have picked Roy Williams as the first guy to retire out of that. No, I mean this like whole changing of Shashevsky's the guard. Like two hundred years top. old. I mean, what the hell is he doing at this point? Yeah, man. I mean, uh, you're gonna see this. It's this, gonna happen. This, this turnover yeah. in the next like three to five year window, right? It's gonna be crazy. With with yeah. K Beheim, Izzo, um, yeah. you. Sh- I mean, two big ones going this year with Roy, and I mean, people don't really care about Lon Kruger or Oklahoma basketball, but like Lon oh, Kruger yeah, was a, big, a hell of a yeah. basketball coach and. A lifer yeah. in the game. Um, and you know, that's... 76. Oh, yeah, dude. Like <laughs> 10 years removed, yeah. probably, right? Like, and like people still look at like Jay Wright as like the young guy. Like Jay Wright's like 58. Like he's not that yeah, young anymore. He just has a hell of a head of hair, you know, yeah. and, and is he's 
he's getting up there though and um yeah like your your next era like the next one coming of these guys is your Jay Wright, your Tony Bennett, mm-hmm. your Mark Few, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the next group of your stewards of the game, whatever. But like shit's about to get younger. Shit's about to get more diverse. Shit is about to, I think, see more hybrid NBA stuff. Like this, this yep. Juwan Howard hire, I think is definitely the resonated is across get, the yeah, game. I agree. Um, it is going to start to look different, feel different. Um, and that's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to see it play out. I think Mark Few might just ride it out at Gonzaga at this point. If he's, he's smart, 50, he he's would. He's 58. Like, I thought he was younger. I just looked it up. I thought he was, like, still, like, young 50s or late 40s, maybe. I don't know why I thought that. But How, how old is he? F- he's 58. Yeah. So I, I think he might just how ride it Jay? out. He's probably in his 50s, yeah. But, I mean, like, Few is the name that always got brought up for years and years and years. I always compared it a little bit to the... Jay's 59. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, geez, he's even older. So, like, I always compared Few a little bit to uh, Chris Peterson at Boise State um, Mm. in football Mm -hmm. because, you know, he was there forever and ever and ever and turned down everybody, basically. And then finally, eventually, took that Washington job um, in a unique situation. But I just don't know. I mean, like, part of me wonders, right? They're undefeated. I. They're so good. They're like Gonzaga right now. I could watch Gonzaga beat a team by 70 and have it. <laughs> like they're fun to watch even when they're smoking people. Yeah. I don't know if Mark Few is going to get a better team than this ever again at Gonzaga. Probably not. Mm-hmm. So like that would be the one thing maybe where I would be like, maybe he would sit back and say like, that was as good as it's ever going to get. Like, I mean, I could have a lot of fun here. It could be great. We could have a lot of fun trying, but like they are fucking really good. I don't know, man. <laughs> So that's that's made me wonder a little bit more this year. I have no idea, obviously, but like that's made me wonder a little bit more about Few. But yeah, I don't know why you'd leave. He's three hundred and five and thirty one in conference play. <laughs> Jesus, three hundred five and thirty one. What the hell? And it's yeah, like, is anywhere. that fun? It's not. It's not not fun. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. A solid 91% win percentage on 336 games. I think that's probably fun. I would say that's probably more fun than it isn't. Are they like, what's their level of scouting game to game? I'd like to know. Like Zero. They probably just right? spend the whole thing working on themselves. Like, working on themselves, they? right? Yeah, they're just so much better than everybody in that league at this point. Yeah, but I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question, right? Because it's like, that's the other trick of it. Because he's got so many of these... Gonzaga was 30-2 and two and lost in the round of 32, you know, because they just weren't, you know, as good as they would have been in any other year. But it's probably harder to gauge, right, during the year for him. But, you know, he's got a pretty good thing there, too. Like, but, yeah, maybe. Yeah. But, like, that's been – I mean, that was Jay's genius at Villanova was the amount of times that he said no. Yeah. And has just stayed right there. Yeah. And now they're paying him freaking $4 million a year or whatever, you know, for a school that doesn't play – Division one football. Right. I mean, he's why the man. Do Doesn't I matter. Just, Small school, thing. you know. He's been there as long as few at Gonzaga. They're going to name yeah. everything after him. Why would you mess with that, right? The Sixers come calling for a job that's going to get you fired in three years. Like, <laughs> why? Right? right? Yeah, I just, I and Jay could go to a place like Nova and crush for sure. Mm-hmm. But it's also like, there's something to be said for Carolina, you mean? You, yeah. What did I say? You said Nova, but leave Nova for Carolina. Yeah, I meant yeah. Me, right. Um, I mean, could you imagine Jay Wright at North Carolina? Be pretty holy good. Sh- holy shit! Right. Um, but 
or it's it's a little smarter. You just <laughs> yeah, like, really good thing here. Just gonna play this out, man. And and he's done that. Um, a lot of guys who who just can't bring themselves to say no when you're like, <laughs> hey, man. It's gonna tell you. I mean, I've seen the trend happening. It's starting a little bit in football um, with guys being like, "I am not taking that job because for the extra two million dollars is not worth it." You know it's who not, should take it's this not job? Worth it. The crazy presser job. I mean, you know, the big time. Who? Billy Donovan should take. The hey, there job. you go. Yeah, what's he doing? That'd be fun. Yeah, he probably. You're good point. He probably. That's a. He hasn't been brought up, has he? Uh, not that I've seen. I haven't seen that. At I all. think he has said no to college basketball so many times. Is it just like? But like this isn't this isn't any other job. Is this just like <laughs> gener- generally agreed upon that it's going to be Davis or uh, Miller, or is it like no one I don't really know. knows? Just happened, I guess. So yeah. Oh well. Twenty minutes on Carolina there, so. <laughs> 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 if anyone's still here, <laughs> they're not. We're, we're going to send them on out. They're Me, not. you, and Nezzy are listening at this point. <laughs> <laughs> So, anyway, we'll wrap it up. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you are still with us, then you absolutely should leave us a review in the iTunes store. Yeah, you're one of the Uh, originals. (laughs) And uh, uh, you're certainly a subscriber to The Athletic, so we won't even bother telling you to do that. Uh, But we do appreciate you listening. And, uh, yeah, that's it, right? We're good? Any uh, any restaurants? Yeah, yeah. tip your... uh, Get those COVID shots and tip your uh, servers. (laughs) Get your COVID shot. Get some food from a local restaurant, support them, and uh, tip your bartenders and servers. The place where I was born and raised. The place where